Welcome back in. Spencer German with you. Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. We got a segment, or I, I should say an hour and a couple segments left to go in the show tonight. Uh, we will go off the beaten path coming up here. Well, we'll see how long the Chris Mann interview goes. If I have to push it a little bit so that we have ample time for James to do his thing, I will. Uh, we do have some other things to get to. In the words of Magic Johnson, he not going to be here. Plus, that might be a good excuse for Justin Fields, but if I said that to my wife, I don't think it'd go over the same way that he thinks it would with uh, the girls that he's talking to. Uh, with that said, let's go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. He covers the Cavs as one half of the Locked On Cavs podcast plus SB Nation. He's Chris Manning. He joins us right now on the hotline. Uh, Chris, appreciate you coming on tonight after blowing me off on Tuesday. You know, it's it's very <laughs> kind of you to find room in your heart for me, Spencer, and it's as always good to be with you. As, of course, I, I know. I know it was a complete accident. I'm not really mad at you whatsoever. But you I'm already, just I'm 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 washed. That's what that's what's happened here. <laughs> you and me both. So I I, I feel your pain on that. Um, yeah, I, you you know I'm not mad. I want to make sure the listeners know I'm not actually mad. Uh, Chris, how do you sort of t- what do you take away from this game tonight? You chalking this up as just the first game out of the all-star break without your best player or something else? I think it's that it has to be that if anyone argues differently, they're being reactionary and looking for attention. And that would be stupid. I I think the, the concerning part of it was the three point volume. I think if you want to take anything of substance from this game, it's that they took 22 threes, three less than Orlando, the second fewest they've taken in a game all year. And they were just harder to come by against the good Orlando defense, but also without Mitchell. So, and I mean, Spencer, we know how important taking threes and, and, and a high volume and making a lot of them has been for this team over the last several weeks um, as this kind of run up the east here. So to me, that that's where you started. It's no Mitchell. Garland's not playing great, and you just couldn't generate the kind of looks that you've really become dependent on and rely on to generate good offense for you over the last several weeks. With the context that I wasn't able to watch this game as intently as I normally would, obviously hosting a show, I I know Mo Wagner seemed to really be out physically in the Cavs up front and and down in the paint, obviously, as he made his way to 22 points. Is that something we should... Again, I'm not trying to freak out about this game at all or like dig too deep here and and overanalyze, but is that something that should maybe at least, I don't know, perk the ears up a little bit that, you know, when this team has been labeled with this, this identity of they're not tough enough after the Knicks series and it's almost like a scarlet letter that they're wearing, should that concern us at all that that kind of came to fruition in this game? I don't think so. I think this is such in a place where, They've not played like that for most of this year. Jared Allen in particular has not played like that for most of this year. This is the first game after the All-Star break. Yeah. Malaise and games where you're just off and not at your best are very normal in an 82-game season. It's one of the weirdest parts of the NBA that you could have all this time and 82 games, and and which feels like a lot, but then you have to like just remind yourself that they're going to have off days like this. I think certainly, like, if you want to, if you're a diehard and you feel a little bit shook watching that and, and you're flashing back to last April, I can't blame you for that. But I think that's, I, I don't put too much stock on it. It's one game post the All-Star break. If it becomes a big trend the rest of the way, then sure. But I, I don't think this is the, the tip of that iceberg. 
Talking with Chris Manning on the hotline. Any concern for Darius Garland? Uh, four turnovers tonight. That's been a problem for him all year. I know he, he's been somewhat better since he came back. And it also just seems like, I mean, he was slow to get going tonight. It just seems like something's off with him, whether it's he's he's hesitant to pull the trigger or he's still just kind of getting his feet underneath him. Are you concerned about his game at all? I am, I think, concerned about this, Spencer. I think this is the one thing that I think it's pretty fair to be concerned about. I don't think he's looked good for most of this year. I think he before the jaw, he was starting to trend towards something better. And it's it's regressed, I think, a little bit. Obviously, due to the jaw, I don't think he looks fully at his best yet. Um, you know, I, I think this game, in some ways, was a step in the right direction just because he had 10 assists. He had the yeah. only four turnovers. His shot profile is skewed more three-point heavy, which I think is good for him. Is he quite at the best that we've seen him at? I don't think he's close to that yet. This game to me was like a step in somewhat of the right direction, but I think big picture, he his plan, what he's going to be when the playoffs started is my biggest question mark the rest of the way. It's a fair one to have. I think a lot of Cavs fans certainly feel the same way. I have a... I was thinking about this earlier because J.B. Bickerstaff has made it known um, that he prefers like a seven to eight man rotation rather than like a nine to ten man rotation, which is what he's basically dealing with right now just because guys have played so well. So it hit me, you know, we're a couple weeks out from the eventual return of Tristan Thompson. Where does he fit in the rotation or does he even fit in the rotation at this point? I don't think he he should fit, frankly. I, I think this team has maybe on some nights or, or you know, Jared Allen gets picks up a knock or Mobley picks up an injury and they miss a game, that's one thing. But if you're having problems, I think, finding minutes for Sam Merrill right now and Dean Wade playing 12 minutes on a night where you're down Mitchell and, you know, Levert, like, I think you already have kind of an issue finding minutes for everyone. And Tristan, like, maybe he'll play here and there. I think – He's been around the team still, and I think there's there's still going to be some value he provides. But I think if you're struggling to find minutes for Wade and Merrill, who I think of as more like just more impactful players right now, based on what they do and the way the team has been playing, I think you're going to have a hard time for Tristan Thompson. I got to tell you, Spencer, did not expect Tristan Thompson to come up tonight. Talk with Chris Manny. A few more minutes with him here on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. I think that's probably a fair assessment. I, I that was kind of the way I was thinking it would go, but. Um, obviously, he was playing well for this team before the before the suspension, so I, I just thought I'd at least throw it out there. How do you feel things are trending in terms of the Donovan Mitchell extension talks? Because, yeah, like the Knicks are always there looming. There's been some other talk about him ending up with the Lakers or maybe the Heat or whatever, but I don't know. I get the sense just based on recent reporting. I, I think, A, a lot of that's going to come down to what happens in the playoffs this year. I think we all know that. But it also just seems like, I know Chris Fedor kind of had a story about how Mitchell made a comment in the locker room in Brooklyn a couple weeks back where he said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at after he saw the trade that was made um, for the Knicks to, at, at, the, at the deadline to get Bogdanovich. And he kind of said, like, oh, I guess I, I wasn't worth that guy getting traded. So um, I don't know. Like, I, I just kind of feel like this isn't just smoke and mirrors, him pretending he's happy here and just putting on a good face because he's here. It's starting to feel like he legitimately likes it here, and he thinks the organization is trying to do right by him. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, Fedor would know better than anyone. Um, I, I think on some of that stuff in particular, but I think if you just think about, I think, I think Spencer, we have to think about trades as a market to some degree. And yeah. the market for Mitchell is kind of like, it, it's not going to ultimately be a bear market if it comes to that, but you think about the teams that could want him or that he would kind of be willing to go to, which is how this works. Okay, the Knicks are kind of going in a different direction. Are they going to want to pair Mitchell with Brunson? Is that, like, really what they want to do? I kind of think probably not. Brooklyn is, like, the other New York team, and they could give you a package, but, like, he, if he wanted to do that, he'd be trading in, a, I think, a much more dysfunctional and bad basketball situation than he has here. The Miami thing, I don't, I just can't figure out like what's what the deal would be there. Like, there's just a lot of, of things about that, what that exactly would look like, and and where they're kind of going. So, I, I think there's a good chance, Spencer, just based on like the fact that this team is performing well, that he does like it, or that they, I think the organization is built around him being a star in a lot of ways. That he's going to get get paid a lot of money. I think an extension could make some sense for him and both sides. I do think this is the one time that I don't really like saying we got to wait to the playoffs because then what are we even talking about this team at all? But that is kind of, that is the one thing that I'm willing to say, okay, the playoffs, like if they lose in the first round again and he has said, like, I want to make the conference finals, I want to contend for things, and he gets unhappy because of that, I can't blame him at that point, even if it reflects on him and to some degree that they don't go farther, but it probably will come out of the playoffs to some degree too. The good vibes, like, will those still be there if, they have another playoff disaster. I, I don't know. Talking here with Chris Manning on the hotline. Follow him on X at CWM writes. Uh, pivoting away from the on the court subject matter of the Cavs right now, I wanted. I, there was a there was a report from the Sports Business Journal that sort of broke down the the TV ratings in the NBA and that they're mostly up and the in season tournament saw an increase in ratings. But the Cavs are one of a, f- a handful of teams that their ratings are actually down this year. They're at minus sixteen, I think percent. What are we? What are we really attributing this to? Because I I don't think it's just that. To me, it feels like it's about the the streaming and, and the TV situation more so than it's just the regular season doesn't matter to Cavs fans anymore. I think it has to be part of the TV thing because like everyone knows this, Valley as an app is horrendous and like it just doesn't work and like your local. And you can't watch the Guardians on there, which is stupid. Yeah, like all of this just is frankly ridiculous. Um, it's it's not quite as bad as like the the pants stuff in MLB right now, but it's pretty bad. Um, <laughs> Dude, my my entire timeline today was just a bunch of man parts. If I'm like, I, I would scroll yeah. and it was just this guy's uh, this guy's junk, that guy's junk. It was it was pretty crazy. Yeah, it's <laughs> what what is fanatics? What what are we doing? Um, <laughs> Just truly a disaster of a company, and I, I, ugh. but I think it's some of that. But then also, I think I do. I think Spencer, the regular season thing with the NBA is just like a thing, and yeah, like I mean, you can look at TV ratings and like they're up broadly, but like you can also look at how like WWE often does like better ratings than NBA games. Like yeah. the NBA is popular. But it, is it? It's it's. We have to look at it realistically and remind yourself that it, it is not the sports juggernaut that the NFL is, or even like some things come out. It peaks at big times, but it is oftentimes something people check in and check out on. Um, and I think on top of all the local TV nonsense people have to do just to like make it easy to watch a game. It's why I like 
to the Cavs' credit, like they struck the deal with great television to put some games on, on free television and WAB. That's a really good thing just to get games in front of people when it's never really felt harder if you don't have the right TV provider or live or like have a VPN or something to actually watch the games. Um, that, that, so I think it all kind of comes together to make to, for yeah. that number to be what it is. That's a fair assessment. And I think that's a really just level-headed perspective to have on it. Cause th- that is true. Like we, we, we make a big deal out of these ratings and we think like well, one moment, the sky's falling and then the next, everything's great. But at the end of the day, like the NBA is not the NFL. It's a different sport and, yeah. and it sort of fluctuates. I think well, that's a good Let me ask you just, no, and let me ask you, Spencer, when you're games, I think this, this year that the energy in the arena has gotten bigger and better. Like the actual yeah. game environment feels better. And I think to me, like you can't track that, like what that means, but to me, that means something. I don't know if you feel this similar. I do, no, I, I mean, listen, like we know what that arena looked like and sounded like when LeBron left both both times and the team was garbage, right? Like there was less mm-hmm. people, there wasn't this humming or this buzz, this buzzing in the in the arena to it. So I think you're 100% right. Like the best testament to how healthy a, a fan base is or uh, the, the following of a team is, I think truly is season ticket sales individual ticket sales are you selling out the arena are people showing up what's it sound like on there on a nightly basis and all that stuff is certainly up i think the tv's part of the equation but there's there's a lot of factors at hand including the one you talked about which is just the streaming situation and the fact that they can't get that resolved for baseball especially but you know with basketball too with with the app and and, and how it works is ridiculous I, let me let me make a chat out of here with this because we are short mm-hmm. on time what are you hoping to learn about this team over the final third of the regular season before we get to the playoffs? I'm going to be watching Evan Mobley with binoculars and with like a microscope and just analyzing every little thing that he does. Um, I think even in this loss against Orlando Spencer, there are some defensive moments where I'm like, oh, he looks like he's getting his timing back and rhythm back. We know what the offensive leap does look like. And if the Evan Mobley leap is happening – I think the cap ceiling goes up in a big way. So to me, that's that's number one, and and the biggest thing I'll be watching the rest of the way. on top of the Garland stuff. But it, it's all about Evan Mobley for me. I like that answer. He is Chris Manning. He is one half of the Locked On Cast podcast. Does a tremendous job covering the Cleveland Cavaliers. You can follow him on X at CWM Rights. Chris, you know I always appreciate your time, man. I uh, I'm sure that we'll be seeing each other here shortly. But uh, appreciate you, my man. Thank you. Anytime, my friend, and and uh, won't miss any phone calls next time. I'm going to call you at 11 o'clock just to see if you're still awake. Test test me. Let's go. (laughs) Appreciate you, Chris. Have a good night, man. You too. Chris Manning, always a pleasure. Had some good stuff to say. I like like where his head's at with what he's going to be watching the rest of the season. We'll, uh, We'll maybe circle back to that here a little bit later in the show. But we welcome James Bridges back in next as we're going to go off the beaten path. Locked. Special Jim with you. Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here on The Fan.